Welcome to Career and Leadership Real Talk, the no-nonsense guide for ambitious managers who want to have more impact and progress their career. I'm Pamela Langan, a job search coach and expert CV writer specialising in helping frustrated professionals land the jobs and pay rises they know they deserve. And I'm Jackie Jagger, a leadership and mindset coach specialising in helping newly promoted and new to role leaders to avoid the dickhead trap and lead with confidence. Between us, we've helped hundreds of leaders and managers to find new roles, take ownership of their careers, and handle the challenges that job searches and leadership responsibility inevitably bring. And now we're joining forces to share with you what we know has worked for our clients. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode. Today, we are talking about a topic that comes up a lot for our clients who are ambitious leaders and managers. And that topic is leading high-performing teams. We know that as an ambitious leader or manager that you want to be able to say that you're great at leading high-performing teams or creating those high-performing teams. So what we're going to do is we're going to create a whole series around how to build and nurture high-performing teams. But today, we're just going to kick it off talking about the qualities of a high-performing team. Jackie, what are the qualities of a high-performing team? So this is a great question for people to reflect on because very often, I think, if you haven't got a start point, you haven't got a goal in mind of what those qualities are, what do you need to create, then you can't identify the first steps to go about doing it. So the model that I love working with when it comes to team development is something called Five Dysfunctions of a Team by an American author called Patrick Lencioni. And I first worked with this as a model when I was promoted to senior leadership team donkeys years ago and have since worked with other people around understanding it and using it as a framework. So he's got five dysfunctions, so five things that are not there or not consistent in teams and that cause that team to be dysfunctional and we're going to present some of those more positively of thinking about the qualities that you actually want so we'll cover five qualities that you can consider how present are they how consistent are they maybe they could do with some work if you want to make sure that your team is operating to the highest possible standard and the first of those we have talked about before and that is In high-performing teams, there will be a sense of psychological safety and belonging to that team. So there will be a feel for the people who are part of that team that that is a safe environment, that they can be themselves. It's a situation where people can admit mistakes, where they can ask for help, where they don't hold grudges, where they don't assume the intentions of others. So there is that real kind of sense of not that everybody's the same or the same kind of personality or character, but there is that safety for people to be themselves and not be judged for it. And that's a real foundational piece, I would say, for not even to get a high-performing team, but just a barely functional team. That's an area that often needs some work. Yeah, that's a good point, isn't it? Because that psychological safety is super important and it's very rare that you find that within teams, isn't it? Because the majority of people I feel generally like they can't be themselves at work because they'll be badly thought of, they'll be judged. There's a whole load of things that go into that. 
And I think that psychological safety element is really key. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because if you've never experienced that within a team environment yourself, how do you then lead your team and make sure that they feel that level of safety if you've never really experienced it yourself? And maybe that's not how the culture works in your organization. Yeah, definitely. I think very often there is an assumption where it's easy to think that people feel safe, that you're getting the full picture. And I'm just thinking back to a client conversation that I had not that long ago. And I suspect that person's manager would probably be quite shocked at the impact of that experience that they're having because they're finding that at times they're feeling quite anxious, that they And they absolutely were not slating their boss at all, but there are certain things that are happening. My guess is that there just isn't the openness of communication on both sides for that person to realise. And I think that's very often the barrier to, to creating psychological safety. If you haven't experienced that, then you don't know. But also, it's hard to know how to intentionally create that and how do you explore it and make it okay for people to be themselves around you and with each other. And so there is an awful lot, and we'll, we will do a whole separate episode, really exploring probably each of these and more topics. Um, but I think it's just really helpful to consider some of those questions, some of those signs perhaps of how often do people in this team admit mistakes? How often do they ask for help from each other? How often are the kind of gripes or kind of niggles where people might assume the intentions of other people and how much judgment and blame is there not so much when things are going well judgment and blame often happens when backs are against the wall when the pressure's on when deadlines are tight all of those types of things if you're seeing some of those negative consequences then it's very likely that's a real priority because if that's happening when things are tough then even though it might seem fine when things are not tough, there's probably more work to do because you're seeing more of that picture when the pressure's on. Yeah, definitely. I definitely agree with that. So what is your number two? So the second one is having the ability to have healthy discussion, debate, challenge, disagreement, conflict, whatever word you want to pick. But Teams that are high-performing are absolutely not full of yes people. They are full of diverse perspectives, of different backgrounds, different experiences. And there is so much evidence that diversity brings value, but it has to be nurtured. So that diversity of thought is building on that psychological safety. Because if you haven't got that deep level of trust, then how can people openly admit that they disagree if they're nervous of being judged then how can they bring an idea that might not work because they'll be judged if it's not a good enough idea so this really builds on from that first one and it's really about how much is there the opportunity and how often do people have different views but in a way that is respectful of the range and variety of those views People say, oh, I hate conflict or I'm uncomfortable with that. I don't like difficult conversations. Those are often some of the topics for leadership development. 
So I would say this definitely is one that often needs some work within teams to get to that point where it's fine to disagree. It's normal to disagree and we do it in a way where everyone feels okay about it afterwards. Yeah, that is a really good point because I've seen it so many times where the leaders or the managers of the teams will take offence to challenges with it from different members of that team. And it is difficult, when, especially when you're just starting out or especially if you've not really had much leadership training and you feel like you've been learning on your feet. It is difficult to differentiate between what is actual conflict, what is a healthy debate and If you're feeling particularly insecure, you've got a little bit of imposter syndrome going on and somebody challenges you from your team, it it can feel like the worst thing in the world, can't it? So it's that level of creating a healthy debate. Sometimes you need to think about your own development as well. So I always feel like in creating a high-performing team, it's not just about you creating that team. It's about you doing the work on you as well to make sure that you're ready and able to support those people. That's such a great point because your team will never have discussion or debate with each other if they can't have discussion and debate with you around. So if it's not happening when you're in the room, if you're not open to it, if you're not encouraging it, making sure that feels okay, then it's definitely not going to be happening when you're not there. And I think you, you're so right about that work on you. One of the things I often see when people get promoted is this sense of, I should know the answers. I should be the brilliant one. I should be able to make everything happen. And actually that can be a real balker to this because then people feel like they've got to agree with you. So if you don't make it okay and easy for people to disagree, and if you don't sometimes back someone else's idea ahead of your own, and that can be hard when you feel like, oh, I should have all the answers then yeah, you're absolutely right. I think that kind of work on yourself, your own mindset and that recognition that you don't have to be the one with all the answers and often a discussion will bring other people's ideas to the fore and they can be better than yours and it's a good thing that happens. That's a mindset shift, but it's incredibly valuable. Yeah, I love that. So what would you say was number three then? So... The, the third quality is about having a team that is committed to team goals. So this is about having clarity of what those goals are, because very often if you were to go into a random team in a random business and ask five different members of that team, what are the team goals? What's the priority for this team right now? What are the things that you as a team collectively have got to deliver and how are those things going? Very often, there's not that awareness of what our our collective shared goals. It's quite an individualistic approach often where we've got our own objectives as individuals. We might know what contribution we need to make to the business, but very often there's a lack of clarity and therefore individuals within the team, it's then, should I be doing this or should I be prioritizing my time on that? And it's very easy for people to prioritise their attention onto things that will make them look good as opposed to what are the team goals. It's also, from this perspective, I would say the commitment is also about, so it's not just about working hard, it's also about being willing to commit to things. So again, going back to the previous one of committing to an idea that maybe wasn't your idea, but you've had that discussion and debate 
the decision has been made and actually now your role is to support making that possible. And again, that's hard to achieve is getting people to disagree and buy in is, is how we used to talk about it. It's like we have our debate and discussion in the initial stage. Once that decision has been made, we respect the decision. And if we weren't successful at influencing at that stage, then that's on us. Either our idea wasn't right or our messaging and the way we communicated it wasn't right. But regardless, the important thing now is whatever the decision that has been made, we're going to back it and all of us are going to work together to make that possible. So I think there's those two distinct elements that kind of sit under that umbrella for me. Yeah, I, and I love the the clarity that having those team goals brings for the team dynamic as well. Because when you put in those shared goals, when everybody knows what they're working towards, you see a lot more teamwork, people helping each other out to get things finished because they're all on the same page and working towards the same goals. And I think it really does make a difference. And I think that's where you really see the team pulling together and you can go, yeah, it's working. Everyone's on the same page. Everyone's supporting each other. And it's a really nice feeling. So what would you say number four is? So number four probably for me links back to that ability to commit and also a bit to that diversity of thoughts. So this for me is about that level of accountability that doesn't just come from the leader or manager. So you as a leader or manager will have that sense of that hopefully people will be accountable to you for delivering whatever's been agreed. And that's individually and collectively. But in high-performing teams, it's not just that people keep themselves accountable or that they will commit to delivering what's been asked. It's that there is also this sense of interpersonal accountability. So there is also this sense that people will call each other out on things that are not committing to team goals, for example, where if you see that somebody is prioritizing that individual work over something that the team's committed, or if you hear somebody that's disagreeing with the decision after the decision being made rather than before, then as a team member, it's calling that out and having that ability within the team to regulate and not all of that being reliant on the hierarchy and the boss or manager stepping in, but actually the team then has that self-regulation and focus towards what's being committed to. And this one, I still remember when, like I say, we first worked with the five dysfunctions model years ago. And this was one I still remember where we were all, that's a bit of a stretch, isn't it? Uh, So we did start to consciously do more of this but there there has to be all of those other things really in place first there has to be that psychological safety and that comfort with disagreeing because if you're going to call out a colleague for not operating in line with team values or behaviors or they're undermining the boss or they're judging or blaming somebody and they shouldn't be calling those things out and having that self-regulation that that takes a lot yeah, and that that can be tricky, but I always feel that when you can start to do things like that and do it in a way that supports and develops a team and drives the team forward along with driving the business forward, I think that's where you can make a real difference. That's where that's where you can look at the team and say, do you know what, this team is high performing because 
we can have those conversations without people running off and being upset. Like we can have these conversations and we can self-regulate and we can get back on track and we can deliver what we need to deliver. And it's not easy to get there, but if you can understand the, the qualities and start implementing these within your own team, you'll see a massive difference. And creating a high-performing team really does, it'll make a difference for, for you as a leader, but it'll also make a difference for the business overall as well. And also it's one of those things, isn't it, where even if the culture doesn't, it doesn't currently align with what you're trying to create within your team, you can be a role model. You can, you can set the example, you can show how much of a difference that makes and that might even rub off on some of the other teams within the organization so I always think it doesn't matter what anyone else is doing you can create that within your team so what would you say the final one was so the final one I would say is about that constant re-evaluation and focus on placing the team ahead of the individual and This is about team results and commitment to actually delivering those results. So you've got the commitment in the fourth one, which can be about the behaviors, about the actions, about a whole range of things. But in a high-performing team, everybody succeeds or loses on the basis of does the team as a whole deliver? And that is something that I think can be hard I've seen it a number of ways around. So I've seen individuals who feel like, well, I've let the team down and then they let the head go down. And then if they let the head go down, then they're not performing anymore. And it's, but you can't let your head go down. You've got to keep at it. And on the, the same, I've seen it where people are, oh, but my ego maybe feels a bit battered by the fact that I feel like I've been carrying this team and actually I'm not getting the individual recognition that I would like. And so this in a high performing team is about that people recognize my job is to be a part of this team first and foremost. And yes, most people love a bit of glory and most people don't like to feel that they're not performing to the standard that they could. But fundamentally, it's the sports analogy for me of the team result is what matters. And everybody has to commit to doing every part that they possibly can to play in that overall story. And that is pretty rare that that happens in businesses because people so often have their own agendas. It's not easy to get to that kind of real feel of we either succeed or fail collectively and and certainly not in in Western cultures, maybe more so in in some other cultures. So, yeah, it's not an easy one to achieve. No, it's not. But if you can work through and get to that point, I think it's so rewarding, isn't it? And you can achieve so much more when you work together as a team, when you pull together, when you work towards that collective goal, it just makes such a big difference. And I always feel like in that environment, people really thrive and can develop on on a different level. And when it comes to being able to talk about developing and nurturing high-performing teams, in interview, it just adds so much more depth to your experience, your skill set, your toolkit. There's just so much there, isn't there, when it comes to high-performing teams? Absolutely. And the other thing I would say with this is there's a, a lot that can contribute under this one around aligning roles, responsibilities, skills, and competences. 
And that's something that I think is underused in terms of leverage for team performance is that real understanding and reflection of how do we organize what needs to be done? There's this assumption that a job description is whatever it was and people just, that's your job and some things you're good at and some things you're not. And actually, when you look at a collective and all the skills and talent and competencies that you have, there's often opportunity to really look at how can you align roles and responsibilities with people's skills and competencies so that you get that greater result, so that there is that sense of everybody has a part to play that is a part of that overall team result. Yeah, definitely. And I think if you're listening to this and you're thinking that you'd like some support with creating high-perform teams or this is something that you'd like to maybe do some workshops within your organisation, then then drop us a message because we can help you and we can support your leaders in creating high-performing teams. So drop us a message over on LinkedIn and we'll be able to share all of the different options and different ways that we can work together. And of course, if you've enjoyed this episode, please do rate and review us on your favourite podcast platforms. And if you feel like somebody else could benefit from this episode, please do share it with them. And we'll be back next week with another episode. Exciting news from us. If you're an ambitious leader or manager earning 50k or more and you're ready to take your career to the next level, we have an opportunity for you. Introducing Catalyst Career Club, your secret weapon for unlocking career success. As a member, you'll get access to monthly live training sessions, exclusive job opportunities, and the ability to get personalised advice from us on your toughest career challenges. We've helped thousands of driven leaders like you secure significant pay rises, land dream roles and thrive in their careers. And now we want to support you in achieving your most ambitious career goals too. Membership is just $6.99 per month with no contract or tie-in. And as a special bonus for being our podcast listeners, you can use the code podcast at checkout to get your first month for just £1. Head over to PamelaLangan.com forward slash Catalyst Career Club to sign up now and we'll see you inside.